When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Get in zone. AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I gotta change the oil in my car. Right now, get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic with an STP Extended Life Oil Filter for only $36.99. What do I do with my old oil? We can recycle your used oil for free. And do you have oil for my old work truck? You can find the right high mileage oil to help it go farther right here at AutoZone. AutoZone. Restrictions apply. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. This is the Steelers Preview Show, presented by Unibet on WDVE Pittsburgh. Here are your hosts, Mike Brazuda and Matt Williamson. That's Leonard Skinner, Give Me Back My Bullets, from the album, Give Me Back My Bullets. I uh, provide that information because our outstanding man behind the glass, Shirtless Tom, did not know this song, Matt Williamson. I know. I mean... Had no knowledge of it, no recollection. younger than us, and, but, I mean, Lebo guy like that should be a little more tuned into the world. Come on, man. I mean, Tom, Skinner's good stuff. And it's not only good stuff, it's appropriate stuff, because if you were paying attention after the Bengals beat the Steelers 24-10 to 10 on Sunday, and if you weren't, understandable. But if you were following <laughs> right. along uh, the post-game stuff, or if you read or heard or uh, went on Twitter, mm-hmm. you might have uh, heard Mike Tomlin asked about that staggering call on 4th and 10 from the 11-yard line with 3 minutes and 9 seconds left, and the Steelers threw sideways to Najee Harris, 5 yards behind the line of scrimmage. He wound up losing a yard. Game was over at that point. Prior to that, you get it in the end zone there. You got two timeouts left. You got the two-minute warning. It's a one-score game. Still a chance. After that, no chance. And Mike Tomlin said, we ran out of bullets. I don't get it. (laughs) I mean – one thing people might not understand is once you've run 77 plays, there's probably not much else you can trick the defense with. There's only so much time during the week. It's not unlimited. You've repped a few things. The defense probably has a pretty good beat on you after 77 plays or so. Fine. It doesn't excuse that at all. I mean, that's an inexcusable play to me because the thing that bothered me most was 
if it were late in the down, nothing's developing near the goal line, and Ben decides last-ditch effort, I'm going to dump it to my what I think is their best offensive player, and hopefully he can get a first down for us. But that was the first read, the first instance, as soon as the ball hit his hands, it went out to Harris. He had to beat four guys to get the first down. I mean, uh, that makes no sense to me at all. Yeah, me neither. And uh, I'm still curious about it because that was Tomlin's explanation after the game in the immediate aftermath. You know, we ran out of bullets. Yeah. uh, Ben Roethlisberger basically said they uh, didn't have any other option based on the way the Bengals were aligned defensively. I'm paraphrasing both Tomlin and, and Roethlisberger cited the picket fence that the Bengals were playing, at which at least give your guys, a, I mean, a chance it's desperate times. Uh, they, they did have understand. a shot at, I thought at least uh, chase Claypool uh, left of the formation, single mm-hmm. coverage with Eli Apple. Now at the snap Vaughn bell, the safety bails after showing blitz and was clearly headed back to the pylon right. to try to help on a double team against chase Claypool. Vaughn bells, five eleven. Right. I mean, at least, Throw it up there and give him a chance. I mean, see what happens. A better chance of you penalty, miraculous catch, anything. Exactly. You, I mean, even if you throw it short of the end zone, if you think you can get a guy that can drag them in, I mean, asking Harris to do that is insane. I mean, it, it makes no sense to me at all. Even if you have no bullets, I, I mean, that can't be the answer. Especially settling for it at the start. Throw the that, gun at him. It, it, throw the gun at him. Kick him. Bite him. Do you know, something. whatever you got to do. Right. That early in the snap is what bothered me. You know, yeah. he just conceded it right as soon as the ball was snapped. Um, Roethlisberger uh, this week, uh, when he met the media on Wednesday, his normal day, said he couldn't remember the play, so huh. didn't, okay. didn't really care to get happened. into detail about it. Uh, Tomlin on Tuesday said, hey, if you want to use that, and I'm paraphrasing him now, if you want to use that as a snapshot for the struggles we were experiencing, go right ahead. It's appropriate. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, that and, stands out the most, but it's not the only problem. And Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator today on Coordinator Thursday, uh, just said, hey, it didn't work, so it was a bad play. Uh, he didn't want to go into detail either. They mm-hmm. don't want to talk about it. I don't blame them because it uh, it was staggering. And, Matt, that game uh, continued to trend for the Steelers. And, by the way, welcome to uh, Steelers Preview right here yeah. on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson with you until – 8 o'clock tonight. Merrill Hodge will join us at 7.20, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little more, but um, they they don't seem to have an identity, and they don't seem to have answers uh, at what uh, in situations uh, that Mike Tomlin likes to address as situational football, uh, yeah. short yardage, red zone, fourth down. Uh, they're kind of groping. Really groping, searching. I mean, there's a lot of Adjectives, adverbs, whatever you want to use to, call, to describe the situation. But it doesn't look much different than last year. I mean, there's a different ball carrier. There's different blockers. There's a different coordinator. But the tape doesn't look much different than last year. And, and they're too easy to play against. I still contend that as big a problem as any is they just don't throw the ball they don't attack enough blades of grass. I think I think I say that every Thursday in here. You know that they're not getting people to honor the middle of the field or even basic out routes and things like that. Uh, execution is poor. Way too many self-inflicted penalties. I mean, hey, if you're beaten, you drag someone down and get a hold. I get it. You know, but pre-snap stuff, drops, drops are still a problem too. Offensive interference. Offensive interference, right. I mean, penalties, you know, and mistakes that you don't have to make to make these things happen. The beginning of games are miserable. I mean, the 
the Jets have scored three points in the first half of games. The Steelers are second worst, <laughs> you know, and going into halftime. Usually they they're, they have 4.7 uh, points produced in, you know, on average in the half. You're never going to win that way, you know, and this team can't come from behind. Yeah, nothing in the first quarter. No. And 14 in second quarters. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have gotten better as games have progressed, and the Buffalo game was one in the second half. Uh, the Raider game, they got from nine to two, and they had a chance to okay. to yeah. maybe make a move there. And uh, that that series that uh, ended with that play to Harris, I mean, they moved the ball up and down pretty much since their last possession of the second quarter in that Bengals game. Now, uh, a lot of people, and Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger both acknowledged this. The factor there is that the Bengals got way ahead. They're playing a different style of defense at this point, too. But – they weren't giving all those yards away. I mean, no, of course not. You don't want to let a team get to uh, within eleven yards of making it a one-score game with more than enough time left to work with. Right, but it's astonishing to me too that you run seventy-seven plays and still don't produce that much offense. You know, it's obvious that their gains are all very short and time-consuming and eating clock and. You know, there's no explosion. There's no, you know, as you said before, what's your bread and butter? You know, if, if you need one on fourth and three, what's your go-to? You know, a lot of teams have these identities. The Steelers' identity is throw short, a lot of RPOs, you know, and do it ineffectively and make a lot of mistakes. I mean, their identity's ugly right now on that side of the ball. I wonder, I mean, do you think this is rock bottom for that side of the ball? Boy, I bet they're hoping it is. I, I mean, there's some things that almost have to correct themselves. The the mistakes, the drops, the um, the communication amongst the offensive linemen. You know, things like that. Just young players should understand the speed of the game better and things like that. But that's a pretty optimistic view because there's not much to hang your hat on of, wow, you know, th- this should turn around quick. Yeah, let's talk about the drops for a minute. And we are going to get into some uh, Green Bay stuff tonight, uh, matchup details and things of that nature, as we we always do. But uh, I think this start, you you know, you had that surprising, uh, almost inspiring win in Buffalo. Right. And then since then, it's just kind of like the transmission fell out. (laughs) And uh, lost to the Raiders, lost to the Bengals, and the drops, Matt. Uh, When I think back to last year, uh, I know I was talking about it a lot. I don't think I was talking about it enough. And the the kind of general narrative was, well, the defenses have caught up to the uh, throw short, run long approach, mm-hmm. and they're they're crowding them, and it, it doesn't work anymore. But really, uh, in that uh, Baltimore game that they barely won, and then the Washington game that they finally lost, drops were an issue, and they were for a long time at the end of the year. And I yeah. think if if I had to point to one thing. To, to make it better. I don't want to say fix it because that's going to take several things. Yeah. But to get some immediate improvement and get a little more capability of advancing the ball and scoring some points, I'm going to say catch the football. Yeah, it'll go a long way. I mean, ahead of the line. Right. Ahead of the penalties, catch the ball. Yes. I mean, a couple things to unveil there. I mean, I know drops aren't exactly an official statistic, but if you include last year and these three games, they lead the league by a wide margin in, in drops. And – I think Ebron's always going to be a drop guy. That's just who he is. I've seen him in three different cities do it. That's who he is. Um, I believe that Deontay got better, and that was probably fluky that year. You know, I mean, uh, 
maybe we haven't seen enough this year to say that's corrected. I don't think Najee Harris is going to be a big drop guy, but he had a either. couple of bad ones, you yeah. know. I mean, and but I do know that most drops do occur in in close, you know, because the ball gets on you quick, and there's a lot of bodies around you, and it's more contested, and their their style of play lends itself to drops too, which doesn't excuse it at all. Don't get me wrong, but that needs to stop. I mean, the the pre snap penalties and the drops and those type of things. This team can't afford those at all. And this is something that's up to the player, right? I mean, nobody coaches drops. Everybody, sure. everybody does the jugs thing and has their little tricks. So mm-hmm. let's let's tape your wrists together or let's do something. <laughs> Wasn't Deontay and, catching tennis balls or yeah. something all summer? Or, I mean, these know. guys just got to stop dropping the ball. The guy that really stands out to me, and as, as you pointed out, drops are subjective. Yeah. But let me say nine catches. You ex- catches we expect them to make. You expect yeah, right, Chase right, right. Claypool to be yeah. better at combat catches, do you not? You expect him yeah. to be able to rise up at 6'4 and 238 or whatever his physical measurements are Gets and tower over corner, some of these corners. Right. I'll go back to the Buffalo game. He made a phenomenal catch on a really good cornerback, Yeah, uh, White from Buffalo, Jadavius White, where the hand was in there and he was able to reach around and vice grip the ball. Be the big guy. Play big. Yeah. Go and pluck it off the rim. Be you know, Anquan right? Bolden. Yeah. Be Larry right, right. Fitz. Vice grips. Yeah. And we're not seeing that anymore. I think there's some general inconsistencies with his game as a blocker, as a route runner, as a pass catcher. As a committer that, of offensive pass interference. That as well. You know, that is a little maddening. I mean, he's only in his second year. So I, I think it's easy to forget how young this offense is, you know, com- with Roethlisberger aside. Again, that's not excusing it. Um, I think they could use Claypool better. I'd like to see them hit him in stride here and there, you know, down the field, crossers, things like that, over the middle. Keep thinking Julio Jones-type routes. But you're right. I mean, his ball skills, I, I was a pit with Larry. I mean, we, we could put it up on the scoreboard. We're throwing a fade to Larry, <laughs> and it didn't matter. I mean, he's coming down with it. And that's a big ask of anyone yeah. to you know fill those shoes. But worked I'd pretty like well that one playoff year for Arizona too. Yeah, I mean, pretty decent career from that guy too <laughs> yeah. in the desert. But I mean, I don't expect Claypool to be an all-time great receiver. But I would like to see him play big with more regularity. And I don't know how much Ben trusts him to go get it too. I mean, the guy coming to town, Rogers. I mean, the, when he finds a receiver, whether it's Jordy or you know Adams or whomever. He trusts those guys and back shoulders and puts it up 50-50 balls like crazy. And that was, to me, what uh, that fourth and ten screamed for. Uh, yeah, right. You got to try it. It's, what they did is not the, ever the answer. That's a better idea, even if you're doubled. Let's take a look at the uh, practice participation okay. reports from today because uh, a lot of people on both sides here uh, that are in play in terms of their uh, potential availability right. – uh, the aforementioned Chase Claypool showed up today as limited with a hamstring. Uh, the, Alex Highsmith, groin limited. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, ribs limited. Uh, the good news, Deontay Johnson upgraded from limited to full participation with his knee. T.J. Watt uh, from limited to full with his groin. Uh, ben Roethlisberger uh, didn't participate Wednesday. They're calling it Peck, but he always takes Wednesday off mm-hmm. anyway. He was full go today. Uh, no Chukwuma core for a concussion for two straight days. Uh, Joe Hague's the guy who filled in against Cincinnati. Um, 
obviously we uh, wish for a speedy recovery of from course, his sure, concussion. Right. But if he's not in the lineup, does that matter? Yeah, it matters. I thought, I mean, it's a very small sample size. I thought Haig played pretty well. I mean, I thought he held his own and didn't embarrass himself by any means. I don't know that it would be noticeably worse if we go from Chooks to Haig in a game like this. Um, he'll get Preston Smith a lot, who's a pretty good pass rusher, or Gary, the kid from Michigan that they drafted in the first round. So it's not an easy matchup for the tackles in general. Uh, the name you didn't mention is Zach Banner. I mean, he's now practicing. The clock has started, the yeah. The clock has started. Do you think there's any chance he's active? They don't right. usually do it that way. Right. Um, it's pretty quick. Yeah. Um, I mean, if Chooks Sooner go, rather than later, but uh, I, I wouldn't think so, but that's just Yeah, just a hunch. Taking a supposition. Uh, Rashard Coward, offensive lineman, uh, didn't participate ankle. Carlos Davis, knee, uh, defensive tackle, did not participate the last two days. Okay. Uh, some names on the Packers that will get your attention. Uh, Chris Barnes, one of their starting inside linebackers, concussion. He went from didn't participate to limited today. Uh, running back, Aaron Jones, ankle, limited the last two days. The other running back, A.J. Dillon, back, limited today. Uh, here's the, the critical one to me, Matt. Elston Jenkins. Yeah, it's a big one. Who was a Pro Bowl guard. Really good player. Uh, last year and was their left tackle in the pinch. first two yeah. games because yep. David Bakhtiari is still on the pup list. He didn't play Sunday night against San Francisco because he couldn't practice all week with an ankle injury. He hasn't practiced either day this week. Mm -hmm. So it's looking like he's not going to play. Uh, so they're down to the Packers are down to the third team left offensive tackle. Uh, Kevin King, starting cornerback, who moves into the nickel mm -hmm. in sub-package stuff. Concussion hasn't worked yet this week. Uh, that's a big one. And uh, also hamstring for Marquise Valdez-Scantling, their deep threat wide receiver. Mm -hmm. He hasn't worked either day this week. A, a lot to unpack there. I mean, Aaron Jones is the biggest name there, and he's a great, great player. I, I would be shocked if he doesn't play. Valdez-Scantling is a big downfield, highly inconsistent, heavy drop, but can get behind you type of dude. Yeah. And they're and having we, a hard time hooking up this year consistently so far. He's highly inconsistent, period. You know, I mean, that's how his whole career has been. But we've seen some guys get behind this Steeler defense, and their corners aren't the speediest, to be honest with you. So Valdez-Scantling um, scares me a little. I mean, it'd probably be one big play if he does hurt you, but that's a lot, obviously, for where this team is right now. Uh, the offensive line's very interesting. They were on their third left tackle, as you mentioned, and really are down their their top two offensive linemen. And their Pro Bowl center from a year ago, Lindsley, is now in with the Chargers. So really their three best guys from last year aren't available. And Rodgers has escalated those around him. It's not as noticeable, but like that left tackle was getting destroyed by Nick Bosa, and they started helping him a little bit, the third-string tackle. Uh, one thing they yeah, have that kid's name, by the way, is Yash Ni. I didn't want to pronounce it. N i j m a n. That's I, him. I probably got a pronunciation C here somewhere, <laughs> but uh, he had a rough uh, go of things. I mean, and the point there is, you look at Green Bay. The the right tackle Billy Turner's okay. Yeah, they're journeyman. The he's whole a, right side. He's a journey. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they got a rookie right guard, a rookie center, mm -hmm. a second year left guard, and who knows who at left tackle. They, right. I, I think. Four of those guys combined have nine starts career, and then there's Turner. And then there's Turner, who's bounced around the league. So their line's not on paper, lighting it up either, it, but on, they seem to be working around it as the Bengals are, as the Raiders are. Right. Why aren't the Steelers? Right. I mean, there's a 
there's some bad lines out there. You know, Dale Lolly and I talk about this a lot, that everyone just assumes the Steelers are the worst line in the history of the world. Go watch the Bears. Go watch Miami, the Giants. Uh, the names you mentioned are bad, too. But some of these teams with really good quarterback play, you know, Rodgers makes everyone – he's a great deodorant. I mean, he makes everyone around him <laughs> smell a little better, and he has his whole career. <laughs> We got a lot more to get to tonight, so uh, you're going to want to keep it here. When we come back, we'll be joined by Merrill Hodge, as we always are on our uh, Thursday night preview show. Uh, Steelers getting ready to invade historic Lambeau Field. You ever been there? No, I have not. You got to go. I hear it's awesome. You got to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, every time the Packers come up, I talk about this. People who listen to the DV morning show are probably tired of listening to me ramble about it, but it's one of those special places, man. Yankee really is, Stadium, huh? Notre Dame Stadium. Yeah, I've been there. Uh, a, right. a venue that your uh, Rupp Arena, Kentucky's mm-hmm. basketball facility. There are a few of them out there that you can just feel it. Huh? Man, I'm glad I'm here. And, yeah, that's cool. Uh, that's Lambeau cool. Field's one of them. Uh, we'll talk to uh, Merrill, not about that, but about how the Steelers can survive Lambeau Field when we come back with Matt Williamson. I'm Mike Persuda. You are listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship. 102.5 DVE and SNR. Steelers Preview Show presented by Unibet on DVE. Welcome back to Steelers Preview. Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson with you till 8 o'clock tonight. Right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. The sun is setting here in the fighting city of Pittsburgh, and we're hoping it's not setting on the season <laughs> at 1 and 2 and not looking very good. And here to cheer us up and tell us why that is not the case is the third member of our team, our leading rusher, Merrill Hodge. Merrill, how you doing tonight? Man, have you put me in a bad spot. <laughs> <laughs> so it is setting. Hey, hey <laughs> actually, let's, 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 let's be optimistic here. Number one, that buck I've been telling you about, I've been hunting for three years. Did you get him? Well, you betcha, baby. Wow, All nice right. Job. You betcha. I'll send you, I'll send you a picture of him, baby. Okay, right, well, we'll, we'll move on to the real things. No, nah, a little detail on the buck. With the... Well, let me just, let's put it this way. He's um, people that are into hunting. Now, people that are not are probably turning off the radio right now mad, but the ones that are, um, he's over 30 inches wide, which is, like, for people who don't hunt, that's like ridiculous. Like my taxidermist, he's been doing it for 25 years and here in Ohio, and he's like, I've never seen anything that wide. Wow. Uh, he was, and it was a, uh, I'm a, he's avoided me for three years. He's been the uh, been the hardest thing I've ever hunted. He's a smart guy, old guy, wise guy, but he made a mistake, <laughs> and I capitalized on that mistake. <laughs> anyway, he's a beautiful well buck, man. He's a uh, he's a. Uh, let's hope that that translates into football somehow. Let's yeah. let's try to make that happen. Right so what now. you're saying is this was the Aaron Rodgers of bucks. Yeah, he's he's unique. And Aaron Rodgers is very unique. There is no doubt about that. There so, is no doubt. So b- before we get into the gory details, uh, I wanted to bounce a theory off you. The, the way I see the Steelers potentially winning this game is the way they won the Buffalo game. They get the defense healthy and the defense dominates. They play smart, opportunistic, mistake-free football on offense, and they do something in the kicking game that helps turn the tide. Repeatable? You forget one thing. The Packers have to play along with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that, the Buffalo Bills chose to not run the football other than one drive, which they actually scored on, by the way. 
which was absolutely shocking to me. I was like, are you kidding me? You know, they played into the – listen, in, our, in the NFL, if you just have – if you're good at one phase and you're really complete at that phase, like say – I use this, like the, the passing game, there's different phases. There's short, intermediate, and vertical. Okay, the Bills have all of that. Then the running game, you got to be strong side, weak side, um, power um, in the running game. So there's a lot of phases to the running game. Not that we just run the ball. How do we run the ball? The more phases in your running game, the more phases in your passing game, the more deadly you are as an offense. The Bills, for whatever reason, just chose to use one of their phases. The Steelers played to that. And they have to keep in mind, they have all they, they have all offseason to prepare for the Bills. They have all training camp to prepare for the Bills. And the way they were prepared for them was outstanding. Well, now when you go to the Green Bay Packers, you have three days to get ready for them. The Packers, basically on how they have played since they – they got manhandled by the Saints is they have a lot of phases now. They're, they're not just going to come out and throw the football is what I'm getting at. They're not going to play that role. They're not going to say, hey, listen, we're just going to throw the ball. We're not going to run. In fact, their running game is a problem. It is a real problem, especially with the, the injuries in the defensive line area. The rotation there is not what it was. You know, they got pushed around with the, with the Bengals. They were on skates. You know, they uh, they did not control the line of scrimmage. That that there is the biggest problem with this thing. It's not Aaron Rodgers, although Aaron Rodgers is a problem here. If they're able to do that, then Aaron Rodgers is unstoppable. Um, so I, I just don't see him playing that that role like the Bills did. It is would be the only thing that would squash that. I mean, I wish they would because you're. I, I, then I would play into you what you're saying. But I don't think the based on what they've done the last few weeks to get themselves back on track. If they did that, it would just be like mind blowing from a Packer perspective. Like, what? How could you do that? I just don't see him doing that, especially if they look at the Cincinnati game. They watch that tape, which they do, and they will. They're not going to come into this game and go, ah, let's not run it. <laughs> they're they're, they're going to establish that run because, you know, the Steelers struggle right now with their defensive line rotation, um, and they're just not good enough up front right now to handle with what the Packers do, you know, because they really run a power running attack. They're very good at it. Their back's good at it. They get movement. They move people. They, they create problems, you know, and if you don't stop that, then it's going to be a long day. Merrill, back to Rodgers real quick. Obviously, you're pretty fond of what he's done on the field. The one thing I say about Rodgers that I think is just remarkable is if you pulled out the highlight tape of all the Hall of Fame quarterbacks, all the great ones, and Brady and everybody, his is better than anyone's or as good as anyone's. But what's even more remarkable to me is his low light tape is as good as anyone's too. The guy doesn't make mistakes. Yeah. Well, I will tell you this. You know, let's go back and there's a real, um, you know, kind of when you kind of look at all the rookie quarterbacks right now, what's going on with them. Um, I mean, we, we can actually do a show on this, you know, and and the discussion. Not so, so much of a debate, the discussion, because every player is uniquely different, you know, and what kids learn now way back in youth football and how they develop versus how they did it 40 years ago. You know, there's a whole layer of this to discuss. When Aaron Rodgers gets drafted, and I'm telling you this, like I didn't like him coming out of, out of Cal. I mean, when you watched him at Cal, you would never have predicted he would be what he is today. Now, Merrill, not to interrupt you, but I was in the Browns' war room as a scout the year he came out, and he looked nothing like this. Exactly. Okay, yeah. so okay, then you have verification. Okay, okay, I'm watching him. I'm like, this guy's actually terrible. I mean, he's like, 
I mean, from a college perspective, he's very good, but like he does nothing that projects he'll do well in the NFL, which is true. Now he goes to preseason. Well, first first preseason game, he couldn't throw a flat route. I'm like, this guy is horrible. <laughs> okay, now he doesn't have to play. It, let's just say, had he had to play, like he's happening today with guys, I'm not so sure that Aaron wouldn't have been ruined. Because I always say this: like, these quarterbacks get ruined mentally way before they get ruined physically. You know, I'm watching Zach Wilson. I mean, Zach Wilson's a train wreck right now. I mean, he's pump faking a, a hitch route. <laughs> it's like it's like he's, he's flinching, and he's already flinching. Which is anyway, going back. So I watch this preseason. I'm watching him in preseason. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy is so bad. Then I watch him through the preseason. And every preseason he gets a little better, but you never see him on the field for four years. This guy diligently works to get better. So when he gets an opportunity, and I believe it was for the, from the, with the Dallas Cowboys, I, was, I believe it was against the Dallas Cowboys that he came in when Brett Favre got hurt. And I was like, that's not the same kid I saw in California. But for four years, he worked on his craft. He knew all the things that he had to get better at. And then when he was out there, I could tell. It was almost like Dak. For some I ever saw Dak, I was like, okay, that guy belongs. There's just sometimes like they belong. You could just tell. They go through some, some growing things, but they belong. When I saw that, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is not the same guy. So it's a credit to him. What I'm getting at is how diligently he worked. He realized what he wasn't doing well. He worked at his craft. And then when he got the opportunity, I mean, the rest is history now. Well, the uh, Steelers offensive line issues are front and center. We had a pretty good chat about that on the morning show uh, yesterday. What's the quick fix they need to implement to start becoming at least – competent well, on Sunday. Well, it's a good word, competent. Um, uh, I would say this. This is where I get the coach has all the power, no control. Okay? There's no coach in America. Now, if they're doing this in Pittsburgh, obviously this is a big problem. There's nobody that's teaching their guys, hey, listen, guys, on this one, let's just have fun and not block this guy. Okay? No, no, no coach is doing that. They're not saying, hey, listen, let's not account for this front – and let's pretend like we don't know and let the defensive end free to our, to our running back. Okay, nobody's doing that. However, that's happening. Okay, so one thing, I'd rather Chuck Noll or Bill Cower, I know of no coach that is okay with mental errors. And that's happening about, we'll say, 30% of the time. And it's not one guy, everybody. And, I'm, and we thought throw the tight ends in here, okay, and throw the wide receivers in here. So it's not one guy, which even makes it probably more, more difficult because if it was one guy, you just get rid of that guy and put somebody else in there. So 30% of the time you're having that. Can you correct that? Well, absolutely. That's accountability. That's, I mean, knowing your job, knowing what's going on, knowing what fronts to look at, knowing the adjustments that have to happen, and then execute. Okay, so you can solve that. Then the techniques, you know, how we're going about blocking people. You know, I, I, I've not seen it so many. I mean, they, they block with their chest so many times, you know. Some of their biggest guys are blocking with their chest, and you know, it's, it's a, like, it's a, like it's, a bear, it's, a, it's a dance at the line of scrimmage. Well, that's not helping. We're not moving anybody off the line of, line of scrimmage. We're giving our back absolutely no definition of where to be at the point of attack. So we're not, you know, those things are and can be correctable. Now there's the other 40% where it's, listen, sometimes we're going to win, sometimes they're going to win. Now that's where you'd like to be on all of this because at the end of the day, you're not going to win all. You just hope that you win more than you lose. But when you make mental errors on top of that, your techniques and your fundamental ways of blocking are not very good. I can't tell you how many times I've seen 
this is passing game too, by the way. You're doubling, you're working with somebody, and then you both leave the guy and you go help somebody else and you leave the guy unattended. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the mean, or we don't get off on the stack back or where we should get off. One guy needs to go. And this, you kind of know those are going to be growing pains as, as you work together. But, you know, they keep happening. I mean, it's like almost um, a repeat story every week. Um, now, the good side about that 60% of that stuff can be corrected. I mean, that, that, snap, that switch could snap this week. Do I think it will? I mean, probably not. If you Hopefully that some of it you get rid of. But um, if they do get rid of that, then you're going to start to grow together. And at some point, you know, you hope that will happen. And this is going to be, listen, like, we talk about matchups all the time. There's a guy named Kenny Clark that plays for the, car, or the Packers, okay? Number 97. I'm telling you this. They're going to try to put him over Green and make Green block him as much as possible. Because, you know, Green gets, will play high at times, you know, and he gets out of position and, you know, he'll get thrown. I mean, shoot, Kenny Clark abused the center for the San Francisco 49ers. I can't tell you how many times. Um, and matchups, you know, we talk about matchups as wide receivers, running back. I mean, in the trenches, there's matchups too. So, you know, that's something to watch for in this game. And, you know, he's a young guy. He's going to be better. I loved him coming out of college. I think he's a, he's a mean dude. He's grind. I mean, he's going to – but he's got to work with his techniques. He gets too high. And, and not in this league, you can't do that. I mean, you got too many good players that you play against that are fundamentally sound. So that will be an interesting matchup, actually, in the running game. That will be critical. And you know this. Kenny – Clark is going to win some, even if it's even Steven, Kenny Clark's going to win some. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way it is. Nobody wins them all. So, you know, until the offensive line gets really in flow and in rhythm, th- their offense is not going to go. That's just the way it is. You're going to blame Ben. Okay. You don't have a win if it's not for Ben. Okay. I could show you Jacksonville, Chicago, and uh, the New York Jets. You show their offensive line that plays about the same way. They got no wins. Okay. And that's because their quarterback play is so poor. Um, your offensive line play, it, you know, I've watched it more this year than ever, I think, and it's really been, you know, correlating to wins and losses. I mean, but I shouldn't surprise you. If those guys don't play well, you have no shot. I don't care how talented you are. You've got no shot to win on Sundays when there's that grotesque of inconsistent play. Merrill, earlier in the week when you were talking to these guys, I heard you saying, you know, pad level in general for the line is a problem. They play too high. You just mentioned it with Green. And I don't disagree with you at all. But as a rule of thumb, when I look at players that play high, I either think they're not great athletes, they don't bend well, or they're not in shape. You know, they played 77 snaps in this game. But they played high from the beginning. I mean, do you have a a cause for that with this group? I wish I did. Yeah. uh, I got to believe nobody. I mean, I I don't teach that. I don't don't know anybody teaches – you know, so, so listen, we're, let's for for your listeners, they're trying to visualize this. Let's just say there's a power like, like power O. Okay, the Ravens, the, the they run the power O. That's their staple. They're gonna run that sixty percent of the time, but they're gonna do it a bunch of different ways. But that's their staple. Okay, you got you got a double team. You got a you got a kick out. You got a guard pulling. I mean, you got a lot of men in a hole, and you're digging out people. There is no way. Any one of those blocks can be a shield block where you just got to get in somebody's way. You've got to move with the double team. So that thing you can't do with your chest. Your pad level has to be right. You've got to strike the right, in the right angle, and you've got to move that guy out of there. Then when that guard's coming around, he's got to find the guy he's digging out. Okay, And he can't use his chest, or he's probably not going to play the next down because his ribs are going to be broken. 
who's ever there sitting in the hole with him, rather, more likely a linebacker. So, and when I, anyway, when I just see them, you know, trying to run their runs, like, let's go back to what they did, which is, you know, what I thought that they might do. They did a lot of man blocking schemes. And nobody won them. I mean, a majority of the time they just lost those matchups because of that. You know, you're not moving anybody off the line of scrimmage. It's a little tug of war right at the line of scrimmage. Your poor back is back there going, um, where do I go? You know, there's nothing to find for him, which I, I give him a lot of credit. He is, he has stayed true to try the point of attack. He's only abandoned the run a few times, which I can't even blame him because that's what happens to runners. They start creating their own thing because nothing's happening up front. So uh, I wish I could answer that. You know, I, I don't think for a question they don't, they're not teaching it. They're not working on it. It sure. just goes back to what I say all the time. The coach has all the power but no control. Once they walk inside the white lines, you're going to do what you want to do. You're either going to do what you've been coached to do or you're just going to do what you want to do. And that's where – this is – you know, people want to get rid of people. In this league, it's very hard because you're married to people financially. You just can't get rid of guys. You know, some you can, but you can you start getting rid of a bunch of people financially. There's a price to that. A lot of that in real you know, life too, Merrill. <laughs> well, that's true. But you're like, okay, well, sure. I like to get rid of all five guys, bring five guys in. <laughs> you got to pay those guys. You got to pay the other guys come in. Uh, financially, you can't do that. You know? So at some point, now, keep, now listen, in, in all fairness too, you got two rookies, you got four guys. I mean, you got really five, five new faces right. working together. That is, that is so hard. I remember when we, Justin, uh, John Jackson leaves. We moved Justin Strelzik over from right to left, I think that was. Yes, and then and we strolled for two weeks. Then I moved him back to right, and then we, we took care of left tie. I can't remember exactly. But we one well, point, one guy moved, and when, then we kind of created two guys moved. It was a train wreck. We moved one guy back. We corrected the other plot, and then we corrected things. Well, that's just one guy. And when you're trying to bring five guys together in this league, it's just a daunting task, you know. It's just very hard to do and and be consistent, you know. Which you know, there's moments where they do a really good job. Keep in mind, I think you know you beat them up, and you're like, there are still times they do. They don't do it consistent enough to give you a good chance to win. That's the problem. Merrill, if the Steelers get healthy on defense and they get that three-headed monster back at uh, outside linebacker, can T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith, and Melvin Ingram wreck the game? Well, I, um, they give us, they got a shot. Okay, without them, there's. I mean, I, I just did a, a playbook that will go on, you know, Steelers.com here in a little bit. Um, where the Green Bay Packers, okay, they're one to everybody tries to play. Everybody plays from empty, right? Okay, very few teams. When you, I'm talking about empty, there's nobody in the backfield for your offense, and you're going to throw the football. Oftentimes, the Steelers do this. And every team does it. And very seldom do you go vertically, for a couple reasons. One, because you have you're, you're limited on your protection. A lot of people will blitz you, and you just don't have time. Is usually what the problem is. And or people will play coverage to you, and you don't. So anyway, uh, the great, they they did this against San Francisco 49ers. Now what they do is they put their running back and their tight end close to the formation. They make a seven man protection, and then they do go vertical. Then they do attack you down down the field. So my point, and they use seven guys to block whoever you're bringing. So that if you're going to blitz, they're going to be held. You're going to be able to block them. And you're going to give, you know, a hall of fame quarterback a little too much time. And then he's going to sting you. And it's not going to be for five yards it could be for 50. Um, listen, having those guys is better than not having them because at least I make you respect me and you keep seven guys in 
because I'd rather do that and then um, take my chances with my secondary on the back end. And then let's say then that's when you want them to play like they did against Buffalo because they did such a good job of working together and we're in unison. So if you can get him in those spots and you, you guys, you, you can dictate, but that's going to all start with how you handle their run. If you can't handle that, then, you know, it's going to be, it's hard to, to call defensive plays to that. But if they can get him to that, then I like that. And having those three headed monsters, is, is a, you got a lot better shot of winning with them than without them. I like the theory, Merrill, and uh, I like your persistence in getting your buck. And if the Steelers have just as much, maybe they get this figured out. Yeah, and maybe maybe this is a, a meant to be. So maybe next week we can keep talking about hunting, and it translates to to wins. Um, yeah, hope I it don't. Hope it doesn't take them three years to figure it out. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, no, that's a good one. Let's hope not. I don't think it'll take three years. Maybe another three games before they get in get in rhythm, but um, hopefully they start against the Packers. Well, great stuff. Don't forget to uh, text me a picture of that buck. I'm curious. Coming your way, big fella. I am curious. Uh, that's Merrill Hodge. Uh, we've got one more segment to go, so keep it here with Matt Williamson. I'm Mike Pursuta. We're getting ready for the Steelers and the Packers Sunday from Lambeau Field right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Back to the Steelers preview show presented by Unibet on DVE. Welcome back, Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson with you till 8 o'clock tonight here on the flagship and SNR. We're getting you ready for the Steelers and the Packers. Merrill Hodge has sent the uh, pictures for verification. 11 <laughs> points, 33 inches wide. So that buck had 11 points, one more than the Steelers got against Cincinnati. Well done, well done. How they do, can I, use some of that uh, girth and width up front on that O-line. Yeah, how do they get more than uh, 10 points in Green Bay, Matt? <sighs> I almost feel like they're going to have to get some kind of defensive special team score, big play, something like that. It's not what Rodgers does, though. As I mentioned, the guy does not make many mistakes, despite his aggression. Um, we didn't talk a lot about the Packers' defense, except for Kenny Clark, but they got five or six, including Clark, really good players on that side of the ball. Five number ones. Yeah, if you yeah, count, makes sense. If you count uh, this year's Eric Stokes, who's been okay. filling in with uh, – uh, Kevin King has been out. Mm-hmm. But, Makes sense. Um, yeah, the other quarterback, uh, Jair Alexander. The great player. Uh, that interception he made against San Francisco on Sunday night when he just left his guy in red deep ball mm-hmm. and beat the receiver to the spot. Yeah, uh, he's somebody to avoid. It's I really pretty good like, when you pick it off when they're not throwing to your not guy. They're throwing at you. They're avoiding it, and you still pick it off. I think both their safeties are extreme playmakers. Amos, people might remember in Penn State, he's kind of the tight end guy. Savage is a do-it-all former first-round pick. Um, Gary Smith. I mean, they got some guys. But over the years, their defense has been inconsistent, too. Like, they can be overly aggressive. They can get gashed in the run game. Clark aside, I think – well, I don't want to predict that the Steelers could run the ball, but it wouldn't shock me if they got something going on the ground. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think they got a shot at it. Mm -hmm. Um, And – for all the number ones they have, and those secondary guys are pretty good, I don't see a a pass rusher like they've had to deal with. It's a little stars and scrubs every week on yeah. defense. You know, there's yeah. no Trey Hendrickson, there's no Max Darius Crosby. You know, right. No Zadarius Smith, so that that's a big, big deal. It is. Bakhtari being out's a big deal. Right. Bakhtiari. Um They have some key injuries or, you know, some situations. I mean, again, Rodgers is a great deodorant, but still. And that Packer defense, you know, that, that Niner game was 17-0 and should have gone to the locker room at halftime 17-0, and Green Bay gave up a 68-yard kickoff return in the last minute. Yeah. And they got a touchdown on the last play and got it. 
Green Bay uh, gave up a uh, couple leads in the fourth quarter. Now, they ended up coming back, the Packers did, and kicking the field goal on the last play, but could have lost that game. I know, what do you call almost losing, exactly. winning? And everyone remembers Rodgers' drive. Yeah, got whacked, got whacked by New Orleans. In, they in didn't the show up. I mean, uh, as bad a performance as you saw all year. You know, I mean, there's some inconsistencies with that team. Yeah. And even that coach, I mean, I know he's been 13-3 and three both years as head coach, but makes some strange decisions, and, you know, uh, I don't think it's insurmountable. I don't either. I don't think yeah. these are Lombardi Packers, and the Steelers' offense has got to be better than it's been. If not, it's going to be a long season. It's going to be a real long season. I, I, I kind of feel like, and this is so optimistic, that week three was rock bottom. A lot of those O-line issues that Merrill mentioned should only get better. I mean, just with practice and, you know, more more time for these young guys. And I have to think that the self-inflicted wounds on offense, the drops, the penalties, those type of things have nowhere to go but up. But what if they don't? <laughs> you know, I mean, we don't know. Yeah, I guess my best-case scenario is, you know, keep it a one-score game into the fourth quarter and figure mm-hmm. something out. Yeah. And, uh I'd love to see him win the time of possession battle and sustain some drives and pick up first downs with some bread and butter plays. Come off the ball, move some people a little bit, and let Harris drag people for a couple extra yards. I do think that defense can be elite. I thought that going into the season, and yes. I still think that it's got to be whole to be that. But uh, if you have an elite defense, you have a chance. Right. Um, that has to be the recipe. I mean, this the foundation of this football team is the pass rush. The Bengals, they only had two out of six, you know, difference makers up front. I mean, they just didn't have their foundation. That's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, I want to thank Merrill for joining us, as he always does. Congrats again on uh, getting the big fella, Merrill. Uh, Thanks to shirtless Tom behind the glass, who I'm going to allow to continue to stay there, even though he was unaware of uh, the Give Me Back My Bullets album or the uh, (laughs) Give Me Back My Bullets track. Uh, Thanks to Matt. And uh, thank you for finding us, uh, however and wherever you found us. We're going to do it again next week. Until then, for Matt Williamson, Merrill Hodge, and Shirtless Tom, I'm Mike Persuda. You've been listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Good night, everyone.